You are listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast, an honest and non-judgmental discussion on faith in God and the doubts we often have, why it's sometimes difficult to trust God, and how we can know with a surety that He loves us. This show centers on strengthening and rebuilding our faith after loss, tragedy, or when coming to Christianity from a non-Christian or pseudo-Christian worldview. Now, here is your host, Gene Curl. Hello and welcome to another episode of Recovering Faith. This is episode 55. I know I say this all the time, but I'm really appreciative that you take time out of your busy schedules to listen to this podcast. And I appreciate uh, those of you who have uh, gone to iTunes or to uh, anywhere else and given this podcast a rating and a review. And I also appreciate those who have left comments or suggestions. And seriously, I'm not just uh, saying this, but if you have a suggestion on a topic that you would like me to cover or to discuss on this podcast, please send me a message and let me know. You can um, find all my contact information on my website, genecurl.com. With that, I'm going to get into the episode here. Today's episode is called Prophet of Convenience, Apologizing for Past Prophets. There seems to be a culture in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints where whenever something one of the prophets of the church said that in light of current thinking, knowledge, and social norms is considered inaccurate or is in any way embarrassing for the church or its members, The statement is explained away by saying that, at that point, the prophet was speaking his own opinion and not speaking for God. Some people even try to say that the prophet didn't say it at all, but that is a harder sell since most of what every president of the church has ever said in public was well documented. There are a lot of problems with trying to justify the church by saying, the prophet was confused or speaking his own opinions. The number one problem being that if the prophet of the church is what the church teaches he is, then he is always speaking for God. And that whenever he said or that whatever he says is the same as if God himself said it. Also, according to the Doctrine and Covenants, an official scripture of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the prophet can never lead the church astray, intentionally or otherwise. If the president of the church were truly a prophet, God's mouthpiece on earth, and were truly speaking for God as the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints believes he is, then it would be disrespectful at best and blasphemous at worst for the lay members to decide when the prophet was speaking for God and when he was just giving his own opinion, or to suggest that he was confused when he said whatever it is that they have the issues with. If a prophet can tell the membership something that is not correct and think that he is speaking for God, or even say something that is wrong in a manner in which the members of his time think that he is speaking for God, 
then that would cast serious doubts on everything the Latter-day Prophets have ever taught, including the organization of the church itself. If a prophet can get confused so easily and say things that are not the will of God, then why follow him in the first place? Members of the church can't have it both ways. Either the prophet is speaking for God and they must accept all he says, or he is not a prophet at all, and the church is not what it claims to be. If the prophet is truly a prophet and God's mouthpiece, then that is always true, even when it is not convenient or when it is a source of political or social embarrassment or friction. If the prophet can't lead the church astray, and what he said is the word of God, then what Brigham Young or any other prophet said as the word of God would still be the word of God today, because as we read all through the Bible and LDS scripture, God never changes. Some people in the LDS church think it is their job or their privilege to decide when a prophet and president of the church was speaking for the church and for God. But if the lay members of the church, or anyone in the church other than the prophet, gets to retroactively decide when the prophet was speaking for God and when he was not, especially when the prophet himself said he was speaking for God, then that leaves the doors open for all of his statements to be false. Of course, it would also be a major issue if a prophet retroactively corrected what a previous prophet said, because that would suggest that the earlier prophet had been wrong, that God had changed his mind, that the current prophet is wrong, or that the entire thing is made up in the first place. The last of which is the most likely to be correct. It was clear that Brigham Young firmly thought that whenever he was behind the pulpit or speaking in any formal capacity, that he was speaking the mind and the will of God and was speaking for and in behalf of the entire church. If Brigham Young or any of the other prophets was wrong about the things we don't like, then he was, in all likelihood, also wrong about the things that we do like, and even wrong about the temple and what it takes to go to heaven, and wrong about God and heaven and everything else. Under those parameters, it would only be by accident that the so-called prophet was correct about anything at all. So you see the danger in cherry-picking what to accept and what to reject from the leaders of an organization that claims to have a direct line to God himself. If the leaders truly have a direct line to God, then by choosing to disregard the things that the members are choosing not to follow, they are choosing not to follow God. And if the leaders don't have a direct line to God, then that makes them the worst kind of liars. Uh, those who tell people that God is talking to them so that they can control people and take their money and therefore should not be followed. When members of the church say that a specific thing they don't like or don't agree with or wish that had not been said was just Brigham Young's opinion, they have to keep in mind that he either firmly believed that he was always speaking for God or at least wanted everyone else to think that he was speaking for God. Either way, he claimed to be speaking for God. He said, 
I know just as well what to teach this people, and just what to say to them, and what to do in order to bring them into the celestial kingdom, as I know the road to my office. It is just as plain and easy. The Lord is in our midst. He teaches the people continually. I have never yet preached a sermon and sent it out to the children of men that they may not call Scripture. Let me have the privilege of correcting a sermon, and it is as good a Scripture as they deserve. The people have the oracles of God continually. In the days of Joseph, Revelation was given and written, and the people were driven from city to city and place to place until we were led into these mountains. Let this go to the people with thus saith the Lord, and if they do not obey obey it, you will see the chastening hand of the Lord upon them. But if they plead with and led along like children, we may come to understand the will of the Lord, and he may preserve us as we desire. Let us then, you and me, and all who profess to be Latter-day Saints, try to be saints indeed. God bless you. Amen. And that was from the Journal of Discourses, volume 13, page 95. And that was given by Brigham Young, January 2nd, 1870. Another issue is when members try to say that Brigham Young or any of the other church leaders did not actually say what they were reported as saying uh, because it was written in the Journal of Discourses and that it is not accepted as accurate by the church, which only has a small amount of truth to it. The church does not officially deny or refute any of what was written in the Journal of Discourses as inaccurate, and the church often uses large parts of the Journal of Discourses as an original source when compiling church Sunday school manuals, priesthood and relief society manuals, and other official publications meant to teach church doctrine or history in church meetings or seminary and institute classes. No reasonable person could say that the church does not accept the Journal of Discourses. However, the entire work has not been canonized as scripture, which means that the, uh, that the leader said what was written in the journal, but that the church has seen no need to make a scripture, just the same as they don't make current general conference talk scriptures, despite the fact that they were given by official representatives of the church in their official capacity and are to be recognized and accepted as the will of the church and of God. While the Journal of Discourses was authorized by Brigham Young and officially published by the church, it is not currently considered to be a church publication because that gives the church the ability to say that some of it may have been, but probably wasn't, transcribed incorrectly or that a specific talk was not actually the doctrine of the church if they ever find the need to do so for legal or other reasons. The quote I used earlier from Brigham Young about all of his sermons being scripture is in no way disputed as being said by Brigham Young, and it was even used in several official BYU publications. And for those who may not have ever lived out west or aren't too familiar with the church, BYU is uh, Brigham Young University. As mentioned earlier, it is official doctrine of the church that a prophet and president of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints 
can never lead the church astray, intentionally or otherwise. And it can be found in the Doctrine of Covenants, which is uh, in Official Declaration 1, which is a canonized publication of the church and accepted as scripture with equal authority and weight to the Book of Mormon or any of their other scriptures. If anything Brigham Young said in his official capacity led the church or any of the members astray, or if anything he said was not the will or the word of God, then the Doctrine and Covenants is a lie, and we might as well throw out all of the teachings of the LDS prophets and apostles. I obviously don't think that the LDS leaders are truly prophets and apostles, but if, mem if the membership of the church truly believes that they are prophets and apostles, then they should not be attempting to decide when they were speaking for God and when they were not. And the only justification for doing so is that they don't actually believe what the former prophet said was the word of God and still somehow wants to protect the church at all costs, even if that means that some, if not all of it, is based on a lie. In the Doctrine and Covenants, we read that when the prophet says something, we are to listen to all of his words, not just the ones that are convenient or the ones we agree with. And that whatever the prophet says is the same as if God had said it. Since the Doctrine of Covenants, a book which we are told came to us by the word, as the word of God by his own power, there is no justification for a member of the church to decide whether the current prophet or apostles or any of those in the past were speaking for God or not, and that the only option that it gives us is to receive the words that they say and to obey them. And it says in Doctrine and Covenants uh, 21, 4-5, Wherefore, meaning the church, thou shalt give heed unto all his words and commandments, which he shall give unto you as he receiveth them, walking in all holiness before me. For his words ye shall receive, as if from mine own voice, in all patience and faith. The above quoted section of Doctrine and Covenants states that the church is to follow the prophet so long as he is walking in holiness before God. And considering the fact that Brigham Young was held by the church to be the prophet for 40 years, and considering the verse from Doctrine and Covenants that says if a prophet leads a church astray that he will be removed from his position, we have to assume that either Brigham Young was walking in holiness before God and speaking his words, or that the church is not true. It is not intellectually honest to both say that he was a prophet of the Most High God and yet gave inaccurate or inappropriate instructions that he believed or claimed to be from God. Either all of Brigham Young's sermons were the word of God as he claimed, including the things that the members now desperately wish he had not said, or he was no prophet at all. I strongly hold that a lot of what Brigham Young said was not even close to the word of God, judging by the Bible, and therefore he was not a prophet. But Either way you slice it, you can't both believe that he was a prophet and that he was wrong when he spoke for God. And if you don't believe that everything he said was the word of God, you might as well leave the church now. When I was active in the church, and when everything I did revolved around the church, 
We were studying the life of Brigham Young in Priesthood and Relief Society classes, and we came across the section on Brigham Young's teachings on keeping the Sabbath day holy. And a lot of those in priesthood class and a lot of the other people in my ward disagreed strongly with what President Young said and claimed that it was too extreme, and they got extremely upset with me when I suggested that either they did not believe that Brigham Young was truly God's prophet, or else they were willingly sinning by doing what he counseled them not to do. Even when I believed in the church, I thought it odd that people could somehow believe the church was true and yet think it not uh, think that it was okay to not follow the parts that they didn't agree with. Because if the church was true, and it was all true like it claims, then they don't get the luxury of deciding what is important and what's not because the church tells them what's important and what's not. And so if they can decide what's important and what's not, then then uh, the church really isn't true, or they are just intentionally or willingly neglecting parts that are important because they just don't want to follow them. It says in Doctrine and Covenants, section 68, verse 4, And whatsoever they shall speak, when moved upon by the Holy Ghost, shall be Scripture shall be the will of the Lord, shall be the mind of the Lord, shall be the word of the Lord, shall be the voice of the Lord, and the power of God unto salvation. So it says there that when the uh, prophet or the apostles of the church speaks, that what they say is the word of God. And the reason I laid out such a strong case for accepting what the prophets say as the word of God is that a lot of what the prophets have said is in and of itself problematic and not easy to believe, and some of it does not put the church in a good light. The quotes from the Prophets of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that I share below is far from being an exhaustive list of the things the leaders have said that are racist, sexist, blasphemous, or otherwise not the will of God or not in line with the reality but they are sufficient to show why some Latter-day Saints try to distance themselves and the church from such statements. Joseph Smith said that there are men living on the moon who dress like Quakers and live to be nearly 1,000 years old. Uh, since he was wrong about the moon, it's, is it safe to trust him regarding the way to heaven? And uh, where you can find that is the Young Woman's Journal, Volume 3, pages 263 and 264. And you, and you can look in there and see the Joseph Smith's quote on people living on the moon. Joseph Smith boasted that he did more than Jesus to keep a church together. And he says, God is in the still small voice. And in and all these advocates' indictments, it is is all of the devil, all corruption. Come on, ye persecutors, ye false swearers. All hell boils over, ye burners, mountains. Roll down your lava, for I will come out on top at last. I have more to boast than ever any man had. I am the only man that has ever been able to keep a whole church together since the days of Adam. A large majority of the whole have stood by me. Neither Paul, John, Peter, nor Jesus ever did it. I boast that no man ever did such a work as I.
The followers of Jesus ran away from him, but the Latter-day Saints never ran away from me yet. And that was in History of the Church, Volume 6, pages 408 through 409. And then some of the troubling quotes from Brigham Young, who is the second prophet of the church. He said, You must not think from what I say that I am opposed to slavery. No. The Negro is damned and is to serve his master till God chooses to remove the curse of Ham. Prophet Brigham Young, New York Herald, May 4, 1855. The moment we consent to mingle with the seed of Cain, the church must go to destruction. We should receive the curse which has been placed upon the seed of Cain and never more be numbered with the children of Adam who are heirs to the priesthood until that curse be removed. Prophet Brigham Young, Brigham Young addressed uh, February 5th, 1852, LDS Historical Department. Cain slew his brother. And the Lord put a mark upon him, which is the flat nose and black skin. Trace mankind down to after the flood, and then another curse is pronounced upon the same race, that they should be the servants of servants, and they will be until that curse is removed. And the abolitionists cannot help, nor in the least alter that decree. How long is that race to endure that dreadful curse that is upon them? The curse will remain upon them, and they never can hold the priesthood or share in it until all other descendants of Adam have received the promise and enjoyed the blessings of the priesthood and the keys thereof. Until the last one of the residue of Adam's children are brought up to that favorable position, the children of Cain cannot receive the first ordinance of the priesthood. They were the first that were cursed, and they will be the last from whom the curse will be removed. When the residue of the family of Adam come up and receive their blessings, then the curse will be removed from the seed of Cain, and they will receive their blessings in like proportion. Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses, pages 290-291. through And then again, uh, The Savior said that preceding His coming, there would be signs in the heavens. No doubt there will be appearances of commotions among the heavenly bodies. We are informed by prophecy that the earth will reel to and fro. That will make it appear like the stars are falling. The sun will be darkened and the moon like blood. All of these wonders will take place before Christ comes. Naturally, the wonders in heavens that man has created will be numbered among the signs which have been predicted. The airplanes, the guided missiles, the man-made plants revolve around the earth. Keep in mind, however, that such man-made planets belong to the earth, and it is doubtful that man will ever be permitted to make any instrument or ship to travel through space and visit the moon at any distant planet. And that was, of course, uh, you might have heard about it before, Joseph Fielding Smith, who was one of the prophets of the church, said that he didn't think that any person would ever be able to go to the moon. And this was, of course, Joseph Fielding Smith, Answers to Gospel Questions, 1st Edition, Salt Lake City, Deseret Book Company. And then a few years later, at a Honolulu State Conference in 1961, uh, President Smith reiterated this idea. He said, 
We will never get a man into space. This earth is man's sphere, and it was never intended that he should get away from it. The moon is a superior planet to the earth, and it was never intended that man should go there. You can write it down in your books that it, this will never happen. And that was from, uh, quoted in Dr. Michael Quinn, Elder Statesman, a biography of J. Reuben Clark. Uh, but that was, uh, and that's where one of the places where that quote from uh, President Smith can be found. With precious few exceptions, most of the time when people claim to have a direct line to God and that they know the mind of God and the will of God, and not just for their life, but for yours as well, they are either trying to control you and get something from you, or else they are mentally ill. It does not serve us well to listen to either of those types of people. And all we need is Jesus, and the Bible contains all we need to know about him. We don't need any person to stand between us and God or to tell us the mind of God. Jesus is the only mediator between man and God, and we don't need any person to get us to Jesus. And if we want to know the mind of God, what we need to know is contained within the Bible. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast. Please rate and review this show and share it with your friends and family. You are loved.